Good morning, Renovation Church. It's really good to be back here. And I've never been here to this new building before, so very exciting. And, and David has never been to Transform Church, so he's influenced our church in huge ways, and, and this morning was a chance for them to meet him. So I'm thankful that he wanted to switch places with me today. And I just want to start off by giving a little bit of my story and where all of this is coming from. In 2010, I graduated from college, and I had a degree in ministry. I really wanted to be a pastor, felt like God was calling me that direction. I was engaged at the time. And we were going to get married in July, and I didn't yet have a job. And it's one of those things that's kind of like an unwritten rule that like your in-laws don't want you to live in their basement, like you should have a job when you get married. So I was interviewing and doing different things. I ended up finding a position at a church about 30 minutes up the road from here in Cambridge. The church was called New Hope Community Church. And that was what opened my eyes to this thing that I hadn't heard of before called church planting. So David mentioned it in the video, but a a church plant is is a planned out new church that uh, several churches come together, pool their resources to get a new autonomous church off the ground that is self-sustaining in a short period of time. I had never heard of this before. I grew up in a church, but never had experienced or seen this idea of church planting. I heard of church splitting, but I hadn't heard of church planting. And anyway, I found myself in this position as a youth pastor at this church. It was a kind of a setup, teardown in a high school, also with the vision of planting more churches. And I was hooked from day one on this. I just really believed in what these pastors and churches were up to. I found myself in this network of, of church planters. And the, the one thing that was unique about them was it seemed to me that they were more interested in building God's kingdom than they were in building their own empires. My son, that seems really odd. Shouldn't all pastors and churches be about that? But that was the first I had experienced such a thing. Well, a few years went by and fast forward and it was our turn. The Lord had worked things out and really gave my wife and I a passion to do the same thing. And so a few years ago, uh, we agreed that uh, Renovation and another church in Ramsey would be our parent churches. They would be the ones that would get us going off the ground. And I'll never forget, it was about three years ago, I was here at Renovation when you were at the elementary school, and David was literally saying, look, we want some of you to go and help Mark and Crystal start this new church. And it was at that time when he said a phrase that I haven't forgotten. David's phrase was this. He said, it's not about building the kingdom of renovation. It's about building the kingdom of God. And that phrase stuck with me and has for several years. And you might say, well, shouldn't that just be standard? But a lot of churches, most churches believe that statement. Very few really, really try to embody that statement. That it's not about just building our kingdoms. It's about building, ultimately, the kingdom of God. And so in the summer of 2019, about 20 people came from renovation, kids and adults, to help us get started in this new church plant in Andover. I'm happy to report that as of this morning, all 20 of those people are still actively involved at Transform. They're some of our best leaders, and they, they are actively there, and they have helped along with the rest of our launch team to, to reach so many people for Christ in the last two and a half years. Nobody told me I was going to plant like three months before COVID. That wasn't in the writing, but anyway, um, 
whole nother story, but renovation was really the driving force behind that. The idea that it's about building something bigger than just your own kingdom. It's about investing in and building the kingdom of God. And, and that means sending people. They sent resources. And David continues to coach me along with the other pastor. Once a month, we meet and just make sure I don't do stupid things. That's what coaches do. And it's a huge sacrifice if you think about it, because there's lots of things going on here at this place that he needs to spend his time on, but he's willingly said, I want to spend a few hours a month to invest in other places and other churches to, that, that really don't bring a return here per se, but they bring an eternal return in the kingdom of God. And that's been built into the DNA of Renovation Church and now our church as well. But something I believe drives these kinds of decisions. And that is that you have a mindset of kingdom building, building something bigger than yourself. And from my experience as a church planter, church planters like me can be a bit like teenagers. And if you have a teen in your home, you'll know what I'm talking about. Church planters can be needy. They, uh, they're a liability at times. Church planters require a lot and very rarely come back to tell you thank you. Is that true of a teenager? Okay. How many of you have teenagers in your home? You can attest to that. How many of you, praise God, you used to have teenagers, now you have adults? Okay. Amen. All right. You get, get them through. But one of the reasons I'm here and why I wanted to come and make this switch with David today was to come back to Renovation Church and say thank you. To say thank you for being generous to say thank you for being kingdom-minded because of you, and maybe, you know, you're new here to renovation, but uh, you're a part of this legacy of what's happened, that there are churches all over the place that are reaching people for Christ in different cities because of the generosity and kingdom-mindedness of this place. So I come back home, if you will, to say thank you. Um, In preparation for this message, I, I asked a few people in the church, I said, just Tell me what God's done in your life as a result of Transformed Church starting, as a result of the generosity of these parent churches getting us going. Um, I said, finish this statement. Because Transformed Church exists, and I, I asked them just to finish the statement, a few of them said this. She said, I now know why I didn't feel complete in life. And through the church, I developed a relationship with God I never knew that I needed. Another said, I've been able to rekindle my relationship with Jesus and really learn to live the Christian faith. Another said, I have a family I never knew that I needed. And then I wanted to tell you one more story of what God's done, even just recently. I know last week you had a baptism here, and we also had a baptism over in Andover. And this is my friend, Alicia, that got baptized just this last weekend. But I wanted to tell you briefly her story because it's unique, and it wouldn't have happened apart from being kingdom-minded and getting a new place off the ground. You see, in the summer of 2020, our church was meeting outside, as you guys did too. It was a crazy season, and we had outdoor services for that summer. Now, we were in a public park in Andover is where we did our services, and so every week we'd set up everything, and we'd worship together, and I'd have a message, and we did kids' ministry. We did everything. We just did it outside, but one of those Sunday mornings, there was a gal named Alicia 
who was walking her dog coincidentally and came to the park, walked her dog in the morning and realized there was a band playing and there was music and there was people, what was going on. She inquired and met some people and wanted to know what, what it was all about. The next week she came back to church with her fiance and her kids and she came back to church for our outdoor church service. So she came a few times, um, but then she disappeared. We didn't know where she went. And later on, I kind of came to find out she went through a pretty rough patch and kind of disappeared for a season. But about four months ago, she came back and she showed up at our church. We're in a different location now, but she showed up back at our church and started coming week after week. She brought her kids, she brought her fiance, she brought her mom. And she's been getting actively involved, and I want to share with you just a piece of her story that she wrote out for getting baptized last week, because I want you to see what God has done as a result of this generosity. So she said this, in November of 2021, I came back to transform. I had no excuse. It's literally two minutes from my house. I feel safe here. I feel comfortable here. I even convinced my mom to join me, and now she is hooked too. Just last week, I decided to make the life-changing decision to place my faith in God and trust Him. I truly believe it's because God has been with me all along, trying to grab my attention, trying to point me in the right direction. I'm taking steps now and putting my faith in God's hands, and it's today that I declare before all of you, my church family, that I am all in. Isn't that cool? That was just a week ago. And that story, and the reason I share that with you, would not have happened apart from a kingdom-mindedness, apart from a vision to see something that wasn't there. And I'm not talking about that on my part. I'm talking about that on the part of churches and churches before those churches that said it's worth giving people and resources to get new places off the ground so that new people can meet Jesus in new cities. Amen? Okay? Okay, not really an amen. How about amen? Okay, let's go. Come on. That's cool. Okay? Now, this idea of building the kingdom of God is all the more important when we look at the backdrop of what's happening in our culture, society, country, and that is that 3,500 churches are going to close their doors permanently this year. That's average, 3,500. 20% of churches are growing rather than going backwards, and out of those 20%, 1% of churches are growing by reaching non-Christians, by, by people coming to faith in Christ and getting involved in that local church, 1%. So the reality is, um, experts say that we need to plant churches at five times the rate that we currently are just to stop going backwards. Point being, we don't have time to compete with each other for us, the same small group of people, we have a huge job to accomplish. There's so many opportunities out there. We can't divide and compete with each other as churches over the same group of people. Matthew 12, 25, Jesus says, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. We have to come together. We have to pool our resources. We have to get a better, bigger vision for what God could do through our individual churches. And so we work together and we partner together. And I like this quote, Harry Truman said, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. 
Isn't that interesting? It's amazing what can be done when you just don't care that your name is on it. So here's my point this morning. Churches and individuals have a choice. This is not just a church thing organizationally, it's also an individual thing. Will we build our own little kingdoms or will we invest in and build God's kingdom? Let me say it again. Will we build our own little kingdoms or will we invest in and build into God's kingdom? We are tempted every single day to make it about us. In fact, the world is geared at making it all about you. And so daily we have a choice to make. Will we build our kingdom or will we build and invest into God's kingdom? Now, let me kind of give you some context for just the idea of the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke about this all the time. 126 times he used the word kingdom in the four gospels. And I want to just look with you for a moment at maybe the most famous example of that, and that's in the Lord's Prayer. So if you have one of those Bibles near you, grab it and turn to page 660, and I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 6, just looking briefly at what we know as the Lord's Prayer. So you may have heard this, maybe you memorized it growing up, or you heard it somewhere, or you went to church one time and they said it, but the Lord's Prayer is Jesus's best, clear, simple teaching on prayer. And then that's within the context of the greater Sermon on the Mount, which is three chapters in the book of Matthew, where Jesus is clearly teaching, this is what it means to live as a part of my kingdom. These are the values of the kingdom of God. This is how we live in the kingdom of God. That's the three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount, which is inside the bigger book of Matthew. So, Anyway, Matthew chapter 6, I want to just read it here for you. Jesus says this, this then is how you should pray. He's teaching his disciples how to pray. Here's how he starts. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's all I want to study with you this morning is just the simple beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Because it is an invitation into a bigger journey. It is an invitation into the kingdom of God rather than building our own. He starts the prayer with the phrase, our father in heaven. When Jesus' listeners would have heard this, they would have said, this guy's off his rocker. Nobody talked to God like that. And you might say, well, of course Jesus did because he's the son of God. So when he prays, he says, Father. But he was teaching his disciples and and by extension, you and I, that we're supposed to pray the same way. That we're supposed to pray with this understanding that the God of the universe, the king of this kingdom, is also at the very same time a father. Somebody we're relationally connected with. Somebody that cares deeply about us, somebody that we can speak to about anything. And so he uses the term father. And yet he's the ruler, he's the king of the universe. But Jesus says, I want you, when you pray, I want you to talk to this king as father. At our church, after the service, a lot of people hang out in the lobby 
And I like to go out there and meet people and talk with people and, and meet some new people as well. And usually there's several people that uh, want to say something or, or that I want to meet or they want to meet me. And there's usually a little group of people that, um, that patiently wait their turn uh, to talk to me. But there are three people in my church that do not understand this concept, okay? And they don't understand the concept because they, they butt in line they, they don't understand bubbles, like they have no space context, okay, they're just right here, and they ask for audacious things, something, things that nobody in the church ever asks me for, and they get in my space, and they butt in line, and they go right to the front, and do you know who those three individuals are? My kids, okay? <laughs> because the difference between them and everybody else is they call me dad, See, the difference is they have this relation. So there might be a parenting issue we need to deal with there, potentially. <laughs> but point being is that they have a special relationship with me where they bud to the front of the line because they call me dad. And they have a relationship with me where they, it's not formal, it's informal. Where they talk to me and they tell me anything that they need because they know I'm going to do everything I can to get it for them. Why? Because I'm their father. That's the way Jesus teaches us to pray and how to ask for things in this kingdom of God, our Father in heaven. Because you and I are sons and daughters of this king, Galatians 4, 6. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So the kingdom of God has a king that you and I get to address as our Father, the next phrase that he says here, so our Father in heaven, then he says, hallowed be your name. Interestingly enough, we don't typically use this language today, but what he means by it is something like this. May people treasure your name, God. May people make your name known. In this kingdom, Jesus' name is everything. In this kingdom, it's the name of God that goes public and our names get smaller. John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. And Jesus says the way we should pray is to our Father and the first thing we're doing and saying is, may people know you, may, may your name be famous, may your works be known among the nations. What's interesting about this is that this directly opposes, I think, the way we naturally pray or think. Because I don't know about you, but most of the time I want my name to be known. I want people to know my accomplishments. I want people to know things about me. I, I've never asked anybody to, to hallow my name, but I've thought it. I want you to know about me. I want you to know my accomplishments, what I've done. And Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount, the, the prayer, it, rather. He says, our Father in heaven, may people know your name above any other name. May your name be famous. May your deeds and works be made known. That's what the kingdom is about. It's about the works of God, not the works of his people. And if you scroll through social media for two minutes, you realize that our culture and everything we're built on is to make our name great. Now, you may not think that about yourself. You think, when I said that, you thought about that person that drives you nuts on social media. But the reality is you do it too. You just do it in a more classy way, okay? 
But all of us, we want our name to be known, and Jesus' prayer is the opposite. He said, hallowed be your name. May people know and love your name, Father. And then the last part here is, your kingdom come, your will be done. So what is the kingdom of God anyway? I said he mentioned it 126 times, but it's something like this. It's the kingdom of God is the reign and rule of God over his people. But the kingdom, this kingdom is totally different than any other kingdom. You see, the kingdom of God advances through sacrifice and generosity and forgiveness. The throne of this kingdom is not a gold chair, it's a cross. The cross where Jesus laid down his life to advance the kingdom. You see, this kingdom's totally different. In the kingdom work, we're asked to enter into and to build on is totally different than any other kingdom. It's different than being a part of this country or building your business or building your thing. The kingdom of God is advanced through forgiveness and generosity and love. The kingdom of God is where God reigns and it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It happens in the hearts of people and in the minds of people where God's will is done and where his kingdom comes. So the, the last part, the your will be done, it's, it's basically a redundant statement because if God's will is done in a place, then God's kingdom has come. In order for God's kingdom to, be, to come, God's will has to be done. So we're asking, uh, in the end, on earth as it is in heaven, we're asking God to, the way that it is up there, bring it down here and use your people to make it so. Use the people of Renovation Church, use the individual people and the church collectively to bring in the kingdom and to advance the kingdom through generosity and sacrifice and love. Advance your kingdom through us. So, big idea on earth as it already is in heaven. We want to see that kingdom advance. But the reality is, that most of us, the way we live daily life is really probably totally opposite. See, I want to advance my name. I want to advance my kingdom. I want to advance my initiatives. And and I, I think I have a good heart in all these things. But the reality is I'm much more concerned oftentimes with building my platform than I am building this kingdom of God. This kingdom that advances in such an upside down, unique way. Many of us have heard this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you even memorized it as a kid. But I'm convinced that very few of us really believe it and really own it. I was convicted by this statement. Alan Redpath said, Before we can pray, Lord, your kingdom come, we must be willing to pray, my kingdom go. Man. I don't like that statement. But this is the reality of what really living into the kingdom looks like is that daily you die to yourself and you choose what's going to further advance God's kingdom rather than just yourself. Lately, I've been having conversations with my wife about certain things related to our church and the growth of what's happened at Transform. And she reminded me the other day, she said, 
boy, you sure seem to talk about the church more organizationally than you do as like pastoring the church like you used to. I was like, and I don't know what the Holy Spirit sounds like in your house. Sounds a lot like my wife at my house. And it was convicting because, you know, I was getting back to this idea that, what am I building? Like, what am I after here? And all of us do this, your career, your family, your own whatever, your own influence. And I think to bring us full circle, here's the question. Churches and individuals have a choice to make. Will we build our own little kingdoms or will we invest in building God's kingdom? I've already told you what renovation is about and some of the decisions that they've made of how they're going to invest in and build God's kingdom. But what about you? As individuals, what are those decisions that are made? And man, I wish I could tell you it's a, at the beginning of your relationship with Christ, you make a decision and then you go from there. It's, that's not the way this works. It's daily making decisions to invest in God's kingdom rather than building your own. I have three categories just by way of application that I want to leave with you. And that is your time, your talent, and your treasure. Basically, God gives you these things and you are managers of them. You don't own them. You're stewards and managers for a certain time in history. And you're given choices daily to invest those three things into the kingdom of God or invest it into building something of your own. Time. Invest in people that can't pay you back. Invest in things that are going to last past you. See, the reality is I want to invest in things that are going to give me a good return on my investment with my time. But the kingdom of God advances through sacrifice that doesn't make sense on paper. It advances through loving somebody that can't give you anything in return. It advances through building this relationship with somebody like one of the partners that was just talked about. It advances through caring and giving to people that can give you nothing in return by spending significant amounts of time with people or organizations that aren't necessarily going to further your bottom line. But it's about investing time in the kingdom of God. Number two, your talents. God made you good at something. You're good at something. Every one of us is. So the question is, are you going to use what you're good at to build your brand or are you going to use what you're good at to help further the kingdom of God? I think about serving here at the church or getting involved somewhere. You all have talents and gifts that God has given you. And yes, by all means, build your business, build your portfolio. But what are you doing with those talents to build the kingdom of God? How has God gifted you to further his kingdom. And number three, your treasure. Your treasure. Man, you can't take it with you. And I wish you could, but you pile up everything in life and at the end of your life, you can't take it with you, but you can spend it on ahead of you by investing in the things of God here, by investing in the kingdom of God with your finances here and now, rather than, like I said, building your brand and building your empire. Invest through generosity in something that matters, something that's kingdom-minded. Let me ask you a question. If you were God, would you give you more money? Based on your history 
of generosity and advancing God's kingdom with it? Let that be a question that sinks in. Am I using my treasure, however big or small it might be, to advance God's kingdom? So your time, your talent, and your treasure. Let me leave you with this. When we are lifted up, when people know my name, when people know your name, people admire you for a moment and then the moment's over. Think how fast celebrities move into prominence and out of prominence. But when Jesus is lifted up, when his name is hallowed, when his name is known, when his name is pushed forward, people's lives are changed for eternity. So the question I leave with you is, who's on the throne of your heart? I mean, who ultimately gets to make the calls and the decisions in your life? I mean, who really is this all about? Organizationally, you know, the church has made a decision, renovation has, to think outwardly. But as the people of renovation, I challenge you and encourage you to make some of those decisions about your time, your talent, your treasure, to say, your kingdom come, your will be done through these things. Would you pray with me? God, we come before you and thank you for letting your word read us and convict us about where our priorities are and our time and our talent treasure. And I I pray that we take a hard look and say, who is ultimately on the throne of our heart? Who ultimately is all of this about? Whose name do we want plastered everywhere? Is it mine? Or is it yours? And I think everybody at some point in their life, you have to make that first step, that first decision to say, I want to invite Jesus in as my Lord and my Savior. Scripture speaks of Jesus not just as Savior, but as Lord. He makes the calls. He changes the heart. He sits on the throne. And if if you're in here today and you would say, Mark, you are speaking to me. And I want to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. I want to know my sins are forgiven. I want to know what it means to advance the kingdom of God rather than my own kingdom. And I want Jesus to sit on the throne of my life, not myself. If you're here today and you're hearing my words and I'm speaking to you, the Holy Spirit's working on your heart and you would say, I want to have that relationship with Jesus. I want to know I'm forgiven, saved for eternity and changed for here. I want to place my faith in Jesus today. If that's you and I'm speaking to you, would you just raise your hand so I know who you are? Just simply right where you're at, raise your hand and say, yes, that's what I want. I want to place my faith in Christ. Raise your hand right where you're at. Yes, I want that. I want him to be on the throne of my heart. Raise your hand right where you're at. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. If that's you, I want to simply pray a prayer and I want you to repeat after me, but just quietly in your own mind. And a prayer is something like this. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I invite you in as my Lord 
and as my savior, I choose this day to follow you, to make you the Lord of my life, and I put you on the throne starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we're done here, everybody's eyes closed. Just want to ask you one question. Those of you that raised your hand, I really need you to do something. I need you, you made the biggest decision that you could make, and I need you to do something for me. I don't want you to leave today without any tools of how to grow and how to own this decision. So I'm going to pray at the end of this here. I want to ask you to simply slip out the door, and there'll be a follow-up team right there to meet you just for a couple minutes to give you some tools to grow. So please do that. And if you came with somebody from Renovation Church, you guys can go as well. Go out with them and get those tools from the follow-up team to be able to grow in this new relationship with God. So you can head out when I pray here. Lord, we come before you as a church, as a people, and our constant tension is, am I going to build my kingdom or am I going to build yours? We have a constant tension where we have to make decisions about our time and our talent and our treasures. And God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would start to make some of those decisions that don't just benefit us, but benefit the kingdom, but benefit something that's going to last into eternity. And God, we'll be quick to give you the credit for all that you do as we make some of those decisions. But guide us and lead us to make those decisions, to follow through and be about building the kingdom of God. In your name, amen.